Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right. Welcome to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm Kevin Daisy, and I'll be your host. And I'm also the founder of Array Digital. We help law firms grow and drive leads using digital marketing. If you need that kind of help, please reach out to us. But today, we have a special guest, a little bit of a different approach today, a little bit of a different guest. Uh, so I'm excited to hear his story and for you to learn more about what he is doing. But David Feldman, welcome to the show. So happy to be here, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No. So uh, again, uh, unique background, unique story. So everyone listening, just pay attention to what he's doing, the way he thinks. We got to talk a little bit backstage. So again, I'm just excited to hear more about his story. Uh, so David, uh, first off, we want to we want to touch on your background as an attorney. And so first question I like to ask everyone that comes on the show, before becoming an attorney, what what really was that turning moment that why did you become an attorney? What was what was that like, and and what kind of clicked where you said, "Hey, this is what I'm gonna I'm gonna go do." Well, my Jewish parents uh, said to me when I was heading to college, "You know, we don't care what you do with your life and your career, but when you're done with your education, you need to have a profession, and you may you don't have to use it. It can be a backup, but that means medicine, law, accounting, maybe engineering. That's pretty much it." And my father was a doctor and blood and I do not do well together. So that really was not an option. Plus, I'm really not like a science guy. I'm uh, saying with you, blood is not good. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried accounting when I was in business school that even though I'm good at math, I just didn't like it. Engineering definitely was not for me. So I said, okay, I guess it's law. And I did have, you know, very prominent uh, lawyer family members, including the founder of the largest law firm on Long Island, which is called Rifkin Radler. It was my uncle, Lenny Rifkin. And I was certainly very proud of him and his son was there and others. So I said, all right, I'll do law school. And I went to business school, undergrad, and then law school. And I really never expected to practice law. I really thought I was going to be an entrepreneur and do law school as something to do before I go do that. After three years of law school, I said, you know what, let me try this thing that I spent three years studying and initially went to work for my uncle's firm, even though I had a a job in the city that I could have kept from the summer before. But I thought, oh, it's my family firm, my family firm, which was 150 lawyers. And after a year, realized, you know, what I really wanted to do was more corporate law. And the next thing I woke up seven years later and I was still doing it. And that's when I decided to start my own firm. And I realized I can still be entrepreneurial. Let me just do it within the bounds of this industry that I've come to learn. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So when was it that you started your first practice on your own? So I was 31 years old. Let's see, we did have computers on our desks, but just barely. <laughs> and it was a very interesting and exciting time. I had a thousand names in my actual Rolodex at the time, but only a few clients that I had brought in at the firm that I had just left. And, uh, you know, you get kind of this amazing grin on your face when you start your own thing. And then you wake up a little month or so later and you say, oh, wait, we have to make money and bring clients in and stuff. And thankfully, our first year went much better than we expected. Uh, I initially started with a guy named Doug Elenoff, who has since built a separate firm called Elenoff, Grossman & Scholl, very successful. And that's where it went from there. I, I, I never looked back. I loved the life of the excitement of you know hustling and bringing business in and making clients happy and also seeing the results of your efforts, you know, 
taking home every month, whatever came in the month before and being okay living on it. It wasn't exactly my ex-wife's favorite, uh, but, <laughs> but I, I loved the life, even though it was obviously at times challenging and stressful. Uh, yep. hundred percent. I think any entrepreneur out there can relate to you. I know I can. There's just something about it. It's not, not always easy. It's not always great, but wouldn't have it any other way. Right. So, well, and my clients are, are mostly <laughs> entrepreneurs and I'm able to kind of feel their pain because I've lived it myself and my third book's on entrepreneurship and, and kind of the seven things most likely to go wrong in building a business and having watched so many smart people make the same mistakes that other smart people made before them, including me, you know, I realize people, you know, want to get some good, helpful guidance. I love it. So you kind of hinted around a little bit there, but so when you started your own practice or your own firm, what was your focus? What was your niche, if you will? So I'm a corporate and securities lawyer uh, by background in trade. After my uncle's firm, I went to the New York office of what became the Fulbright and Jaworski New York office, now Fulbright Jaworski, Norton Rose Fulbright, and was lucky enough to be in a firm that did a lot of work in the venture capital space. So me as a budding entrepreneur, loved the idea of working with venture capitalists and entrepreneurs, got great training in not only working on giant teams, doing massive M&A deals, but also working as a young lawyer with a senior partner where the two of us are just doing a small venture deal together. Uh, and so I was very, very lucky to get great training, even though the lifestyle was certainly very difficult. From there, I went to a firm called Prior Cashman, uh, which is still around about a hundred lawyer firm, did more that wow. moved more from the investor side to the company side, which was very interesting to me. And it was there that I started to bring in a few clients and so on, was on the track to be partner, but just saw a firm that was, you know, just not for me. And I, and, and I, I saw the opportunity to start my own thing. Excellent. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Digital. My apologies for interrupting this podcast episode, but I have an exciting webinar coming up on July 26th, and it's about how to get free and unlimited clicks from Google to your website day in and day out. Now, the secret here is organic SEO. You probably heard a lot about SEO, search engine optimization. In this webinar, it's only going to be 30 minutes long. I'm going to walk you through how Google works, how people see search results, the pros and cons of the different areas of the search engine result page, and how you can get into the free section after you put some effort into it, of course. But you can get into the free section, and once you're in there, in the organic section, you get free clicks. So join me on July 26 at 2 p.m. You can go to arraywebinar.com to register. That's A-R-R-A-Y webinar.com, all one word, arraywebinar.com. Register there, and I'll see you then. I think I appreciate the background on there, but I do want to get the audience up to speed on, on what you're up to now and kind of maybe how you you transition into what you're doing now. You still do have a, a practicing firm as well, but give us a little information on, on what you're doing now and how you got into that. Sure. When I started on my own, I, I had been doing a lot of all this venture capital, M&A and IPOs. And in a small firm, when I switched to my own firm, I realized big venture capital firms don't use small law firms. And so we ended up looking at alternate ways that companies are going public and became fairly well known in this thing called reverse mergers, which is a very well-known alternative to a traditional way to take a company public to the point where I wrote two books on it and so on. And, you know, was doing well in that kind of business, but 
then that business went down around 2010. We started working on something called Regulation A+, which is another way to take a company public that is now very popular. Uh, but around 2013, I noticed that reverse mergers were becoming popular again in the emerging cannabis industry and that cannabis companies in the U.S. were going public through these alternative means early on because they were concerned that the SEC might not let them go public if they tried to do it directly. We later learned they would have been fine with it uh, <laughs> and have allowed many of these companies to go public traditionally. Uh, and, you know, after started inheriting a few of those clients, uh, I started realizing there's an opportunity. And so I started attending conferences, started getting a few speaking engagements. And then in 2015, when my practice in cannabis was maybe 10%, uh, I joined a big global firm, Dwayne Morris, 800 lawyer, 30 office firm. And there they said, you know, hey, we're going to be the first AmLaw 100 firm to openly enter the cannabis industry as counsel to these companies. And will you help us build it? And I said, <laughs> sure. You know, while well, I was also doing my traditional corporate securities, capital markets work as well and helping them build that. But in cannabis, we really pushed hard in terms of marketing effort and events and thought leadership and so on. And, you know, we really built it uh, over five years that I was there to, you know, a 60 lawyer practice. I won't say what the revenues were, but they were fairly substantial. <laughs> and I became a co-lead of that 60 lawyer practice and mostly just left because my hourly rate was getting way too high. Uh, <laughs> uh, and my small and mid-sized clients were complaining a lot about that. Uh, plus, I really Dave is on the to... phone again. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and I also realized I wanted to kind of put the rest of my you know, business education to work and be more of a strategic advisor to my clients than just a guy who's, you know, sort of a scrivener of deal docs for people, which I also enjoy, but was, you know, wanted to work with the opportunity to be a key advisor to companies as well. So you know, uh, tell us, you know, the, what you're doing now, what's the name, what's, uh, what's the so, approach? And uh, I'll put the website address down here. Thank you. Um, so exactly three months before the world shut down, uh, we, <laughs> formed Skip Intro Advisors uh, when I left Dwayne Morris and also uh, continued practicing law. And Skip Intro, you know, came to me as a name when my fiance and I were watching The Crown and uh, I said, that's it. That's the name. And it was really about getting to what matters, getting to the meat, skipping what's unimportant. But it's also the fact that the whole cannabis industry has kind of skipped its intro and zoomed ahead. We like to say in cannabis that we work in dog years, that if you've been in the industry for a year, it's like, six or seven years somewhere else. And so we built a team of about a dozen amazing A-list folks from both inside and outside the industry. And what we're doing now is strategic advisory, finance and M&A, branding and marketing, technology, real estate, scientific guidance, and also general regulatory guidance. And we have amazing, very well-known, successful experts in all of those areas. And with that is a companion law firm called Feldman Legal Advisors. Uh, that has five lawyers that does a lot of what I've been doing, corporate securities, but also intellectual property, employment law, regulatory work, psychedelics. That's the main yes. focus we have now. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, the first thing I was going to ask you was how you come up with the name, which you already told us that, which I think is, that's pretty funny. Don't you want to ask how that? I came up with Feldman Legal Advisors? <laughs> no, the uh, skip intro. I'm joking. That, that, that yeah. Was <laughs> Feldman's a great name, by the way. Well, it wasn't easy, by the way. Pure genius. Feldman's that weren't taken in law firm names. There's probably a lot of Feldman's out there. There's way too many. So with Feldman Legal Advisors, that was good. That's awesome. No, I love how you came up with the name. And uh, I was actually going to ask you about that. But 
everyone that's listening on the on the podcast audio version of this episode uh, is skipintroadvisors.com. If not, it's on the bottom of your screen for anyone tuning in on YouTube or LinkedIn or, or on our website. But uh, so what are just an interesting idea here? And I th- so it sounds like anyone interested in entering into the cannabis sector, no matter what it may be, you're basically covering all those bases. Uh, someone that whether is it, you know, investments, um, you know, technology. I mean, what is, what all the things that you, you know, what do you kind of see with some of the clients that you, you work with? All of that. I mean, in the last couple of years, we've been heavily focused on finance and M&A, helping people get their venture deals done. And this is what's cool. The venture capitalists and cannabis do work with small firms. And so we've been able to work with some of the investors as well as some of the, you know, companies they're investing in, as well as companies going public, Regulation A+. But also intellectual property, we're doing patent work in the space. We, one of our associates is a regulatory lawyer, but also a yoga teacher. So she's moving <laughs> into this whole cannabis wellness space. Mm. And we're really developing some interesting opportunities there. I have a lawyer who's one of the top hemp and CBD lawyers, which is not the same as cannabis generally. That's a specific and different area of regulation that's now federally legal, as you may know. Yep. And we also have an expert on employment law and executive compensation, a guy named James Hirsch who also happens to be an insurance broker and he writes insurance for cannabis, which is another thing that's very challenging for the industry. Excellent. Well, you mentioned, you you guys do some brand and marketing, but uh, since we do, we do marketing, we do digital marketing here. I always like to kind of find out, you know, what marketing efforts have you done maybe for skip intro or maybe for some of your clients, what have you seen that's been successful in today's market that's worked well either for you or, or maybe for some of your clients that are bringing it new ventures, new products. Well, historically, you know, the best sources of business for me have been by being somewhere, by being at a conference, by giving a talk and that sort of thing. And that, of course, went away the last few years. Uh, Yes, we can do we've been doing Zoom events and things, but it's not the same, of course. Uh, The other thing I think is important is thought leadership. I do a lot of writing and commentating uh, on the industry, both on my social media as well as on my blog and my websites. Excellent. Um, I write for a few publications in the space as well. And I think people recognize that, appreciate it, like to see what's going on. I write about the global scene in cannabis and so on. And the other thing in, in this particular industry, and you have to really focus on who your target market is and where they are and where they want to find you. Uh, yeah. And in cannabis, it's all on social media. And the cannabis industry is almost entirely on Instagram. So we're on Instagram, there are, there are a fair amount in the industry on Facebook, but that tends to be the over 40 crowd, but that's still an important sector. Uh, LinkedIn is a big source. There's actually a LinkedIn of cannabis called LeafWire, and, and we get active on that as well. Uh, and we've awesome. worked with social media advisors, as well as PR folks who help us kind of design our strategy, as well as implement it on a day-to-day basis. That's awesome. And uh, that you guys are utilizing those things. And that was kind of my thought. Um, I know with, you know, what we do and some of the things that you advertising for certain things in that space, you can't do. So there's some limitations, I guess, at this point, but it sounds like what you're doing makes a ton of sense. And and that's where the people are going to be. And the thought leadership stuff, you know, for me, I I almost translate that into content marketing and you're putting yourself out there, SEO, uh, content that can come up. Uh, and searches, people out there looking, you know, researching, you know, trying to find uh, what to do, what to do next. And and this is a good chance they might come up with something you've put out there. So 
Absolutely. And when I, when I published my first book, it was like 2006 and my publisher said, <laughs> we're going to set up a, this thing called a weblog for you. I said, what's that? <laughs> and they explained what a blog was and they said, and we're going to write the blog entries for you. I said, great. Even better. So the first few they did. And then I said, you know, I think I could do this. And I, so I've been blogging since then. Um, and I think blogging has been to some extent, uh, eclipsed by this, you know, podcasting, uh, and other methods of, I, th I think video and audio are very powerful methods of delivering content. I did a whole YouTube series called the entrepreneur's advocate that you can still find on YouTube. I did it like five years ago, but it's kind of nice. evergreen topics of entrepreneurship, like, you know, five signs, you have the wrong business partner things like just little <laughs> two minute videos we did. I'm looking, probably going to be doing more of that as well. I think all of that adds up. The biggest uh, piece of business we had last year was a company that found me because I was giving a CLE talk okay. to the International Cannabis Bar Association. And they called me a week later. They said, we want to hire you. We're looking to sell our business. And we helped them sell this company for $70 million. That's huge. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think for anyone out there tuning in, you just have a, a normal law practice uh, in, a, in a local area even, but repurposing too, because you mentioned blog, audio, video, you can take that one piece you write, record it as a video, take the audio, put it up as a podcast. So, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities to repurpose and not think I got to make four or five pieces, you know, take that original piece and you can make a ton of content out of it and, and save a lot of time. And exactly you, the, yeah, yeah. And you can hire people that can help you. You can do the first piece. Hey, I recorded this video, make an article out of it, <laughs> you know, make a, a podcast out of it, make a video, make some social posts. Uh, you got tons of content out of one, one video recording. And that's, much that's what we do now. In fact, in, in fact, the YouTube series I did was basically blog posts that I turned into listicles that we recorded on YouTube. And I, I had a, I had an intern from Columbia and she would go to the AV squad and rent lights and uh, sound and all that. This is before Zoom, you know, and it was not rent. It was free. She would just borrow yeah. it for the day. We would do five of these in a day. My assistant at the time, it turns out, was a, a film producer uh, <laughs> doing com TV commercials for the government of Haiti and all this stuff. And nice. since he was there anyway, he was the, he was our director. And they, they came out pretty well. He found some music. He found, you know, it was not bad for zero cost uh, production. And that's the other thing t these days. You know, I feel like used to five, 10 years ago, it's like highly produced, you know, hire a company to come in and do all this stuff and write scripts and all that. But the stuff that you can just make yourself on your phone even uh, works just fine. And you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just start doing it. It's more... If you just start doing it, get used to it, you'll get better over time and maybe be a little more polished, but you know, just, just start putting it out there and then you'll start to figure out what works, what doesn't. But I think the biggest mistake people make is just not doing anything because they haven't, it's not perfect enough. You know, I think the biggest challenge with all these opportunities is time and the fact that we're all busy people. We're trying to <laughs> hustle for business. We're trying to service business. We're trying to run our business. We're trying to have lives. And, you know, at the same time, so then you have to kind of prioritize and figure out, like you say, you know, what gets the most bang for the buck? What is the thing that works well? And what are the things that don't seem to make a difference or, or, or move the needle?
A hundred percent. Yeah, we have tons of clients in the legal space, and we talk to prospects all the time that they just yeah they don't have time to do it. Um, they feel like the their inter- the attorneys have to be writing all this stuff. They feel like, and they just just don't do it, or they don't have time, or they just they just don't have a, a real focus on it. Um, yeah, or or they're old fashioned. And you know, I was with a partner not long ago who said, "I don't do." I said, "I do this. I do this. I do." He says, "I don't do any of that. Don't, I get business because I do good work for people." And then they refer business to me. And my answer is that works too, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's a great way, possibly the best way to get business. And that's probably where 75% of my business comes from is just the phone rings or whatever email and I get a referral. But yeah. number one, you want that other 25%. And number <laughs> yeah. two, you want the pie to grow. And Absolutely. so, um, you know, I think relying just on doing good work for people is not enough and you have to really people have to remember that you're there there are so many times years ago i used to do all kinds of email marketing and before that literally by fax you know (laughs) and and people would call me and say you know i hadn't thought of you in a while i know you're there but you know i've got this thing on my desk right now and you just sent me this and you know what i'm going to give this to you and it's all about staying in people's face top of mind yes sir you got to do it you got to to say they know i'm here is not enough yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, you'll have if we have a prospect or a potential lead that a lot of people out there, a lot of attorneys anyway, a lot of old school uh, like referral only. They don't even want to. They don't want to advertise. They don't want to market themselves. It's almost like it's against their morals to put themselves out there. They have to get referrals, and that's fine. But not a good client for us. Someone hard. We can't convince them that what we do is going to be helpful for them. And so it's it's nice to have those conversations with those folks. And I love people that do good work um, and get referrals because of it, but you can't really control how much work is coming in the door. And so, you know, for us, we're always looking for those attorneys that are like, I want to dominate my market. What do I do to do it? And we got to figure it out for them because they might not have the budgets the guys have down the street, but that's the the fun part of it. It's like, all right, you want to dominate? Where are we going to start? What's the best bang for your buck? ROI. And let's start to chip away at it. Um, but those are, that's just the fun you know, stuff, you know? I always tell young lawyers to, you know, try to be the king or queen of something. And, you know, sometimes it's better to say, I'm the best at something small and narrow than I'm an okay middle-level person among thousands. That for me was more interesting. But, you know, it's not easy to just say, I'm going to be the king of something. And then, but then you have to do it and you have to see who the competition is and how you can differentiate yourself from them and be competitive without being nasty about it. And, you know, I'm not super competitive person, but I'm very strong in, you know, pitching the benefits of what we can offer versus necessarily what's wrong with the other people. Yeah. It's just, uh, I think there's a great tip right there. Focus on something particular. Yeah. There's going to be less uh, potential clients maybe in that space that you're trying to go after, but you have a much better chance of being, well, you're specific with your message. And when you do find that right person, you, they know it, you know it, and it's just the right fit. And uh, it just makes things so much easier. When we first started out um, years back uh, in the digital marketing space, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, yeah, we're, we want to be able to say that we're digital marketing experts. And that was not, that was broad at the time, obviously. But he was like, say it now. He's like, don't <laughs> wait till you are, you're on the way, you claim it now. And that changed a lot of the way we carried ourselves and probably how fast it took us to get to where we we're like, we're the best at this, but then it was niching down further because 
in the legal space, it's it's a lot easier instead of like, yeah, we can help you with digital marketing, no matter who you are, a car wash, a pizza shop, a law firm, you know, it's very difficult to work with those different types of clients versus we only work with law firms. We know how they operate, what they care about, how they make revenue. And, you know, we can actually have real business conversations versus just, you know, a different client every five minutes we're talking to, we don't know how their business runs. So, and I'll tell you that most of the big law firms do social media and digital media very poorly still, uh, <laughs> they, they, they are still somewhat old fashioned as well. And they just don't think it's really necessary to do a lot of that or where you see it, they're pushing, all they're pushing on social media is things like we have these great diversity initiatives or, you know, the, or here's some wonderful pro bono stuff we're doing, like promote the real work you're doing too. Yeah. You know, tell the world some big wins you've had and all this kind of, don't be afraid to do that. And a lot of these firms just don't feel that it's necessary. Now, look, if you're a big giant firm and your clients are big institutions, is that maybe that's not the ideal way to market yourself. But I think it is because all those people are sitting on their phones too, while they're sitting and waiting for meetings or hanging out, you know, with their kids or whatever they they're on social media as well. Oh, yeah. It's just to, like you say, it's, it's about, you know, being in their face, keeping awareness up, keeping your name out there. And, and, and I think the thought leadership as well, you know, when I was at Dwayne Morris, we had 30 different blogs that the firm oh, was, yeah. was running. Uh, and our cannabis blog was the one of the one of the most uh, visited. So, you know, I think that helps doing webinars, things like that. What's great now is you can do a lot in thought leadership with basically no cost. You know, you can put on a Zoom webinar for free, you know, uh, or for the regular Zoom, you know, contract. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and these are things that can really make a difference. But I think the way that law big law firms have promoted themselves, other than the way they go to industry conferences and things, which they do do pretty well. They just haven't stepped up in the modern era. And it's, it's not surprising. <laughs> They're kind of like big giant aircraft carriers and it's hard to, they can go from here to here, you know? So. Oh, yeah. And a lot of what I see too, and actually I got a pitch one, I got a, a presentation or sales pitch with a, a firm later today and um, yeah, 18 offices and they really focus on personal injury, medical malpractice is probably something they're really known for. But you go to their website, you wouldn't know what they do because they're so big and they got so much going on. They have like this tagline, but it doesn't tell you anything about what they do at all. And it takes a while to figure out, you know, if I was a person coming to their website, you know, what do they do? And they're trying to get a little fancy and branding weird stuff. And it's just be, be specific. Like, what do you do? What do you want someone else on the other side to know? It's not <laughs> only what do you do? It's what makes you different. But yes, exactly. Competitors. And I think, you know, this has been true almost since the advent of, of the internet and websites is. If you look at the websites of any 10, 10 big law firms, you cannot tell them apart. And that means they're doing it wrong because 100%. they're not differentiating themselves. And, you know, I could tell you if you told me the name of 10 law firms, <laughs> what's different and what they're better known for. Some are more strong in litigation. Some are stronger in M&A and so on. Or but you're an insider, you know. No, but they should be marketing themselves to their strengths because their clients know what they're strong in. They're not stupid because their clients are big companies that have in-house lawyers that understand the differences between these firms. You know, we use this firm for M&A, but this firm for litigation, mm. this firm for IP and so on. Uh, very few of these giant companies use one big firm for everything because they find that sometimes the tax people are not as strong as in this other place and so on. And so, you know, one of the things I strove to do when I had my, my boutique firms over the years and I ran my own firms for 
for 18 years before even starting again now is don't be afraid to say what you do well. And my feeling, especially as a boutique is, you know, I don't even try to pretend that I do everything, but I do say to my clients, think of me as your legal gatekeeper, that whatever your legal issues are, bring them to me. And probably 80, 90% of them I can handle. Whatever I can't handle, I help you find the best person. And you're better off doing that through me than trying to find it on your own. There you go. And most of my clients uh, understand that and, and, and work well that way. Yeah, a trusted advisor. Exactly. I, I like to say I enjoy being part of sort of the corporate soul. And it's one of the reasons that consulting work is just such a natural addition to that, where we can really help them through their toughest business problems, not just legal problems. And I really enjoy that. Excellent. Well, back to the Skip Intro Advisors. For everyone tuning in and listening to this show now or later in the future, what's a good way to refer your business? If they have a client that's in need, maybe they're in the industry and the, the attorney listening doesn't you know, handle this type of area, or especially in, in your case, doing the M&A and stuff like that. But what's kind of an ideal customer or situation that you're, you'd be looking for? Most commonly, we're finding companies that are at a sort of key inflection point in their growth, where they have four different paths they can take, and they really aren't sure which to do. And I've always said that, you know, no matter how smart and experienced you may be, when you're trying to make decisions about your own business, there's no way you can be fully objective in looking at that decision. You need to have other people give you advice, tell you what they think. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to do what they say, but it's a really good idea to listen. Mm. It's sometimes hard with some of these companies to convince them that they need that kind of help and that they need to pay for that kind of help. Uh, but we've had enough that, that do. And, you know, we typically work on kind of a monthly retainer. Uh, sometimes we'll do a 30-day kind of 360-degree review of your business with kind of a detailed oral report that will cost you a lot less than what like a McKinsey would, you know, charge to be coming in. And in particular in this industry, cannabis and also psychedelics, there are a lot of enthusiastic but relatively business inexperienced folks who are creating and building businesses in the cannabis space. They know the science of their product, or they know the technology they're building or the real estate that they're doing, but they don't know how to raise money. They don't know how to do branding. They don't know, you know, uh, real estate issues they have to deal with, whatever it is, technology. And so, you know, instead of trying to become an expert on everything, you bring in folks who can help you figure all that out. And so companies, and we'll work with startups, but, you know, they obviously need a few dollars to be able to pay us. <laughs> Occasionally we will work for equity. Uh, but that's, you know, it takes a lot for us to be willing to do that. And we're also helping companies that are getting ready to think about an exit. And, you know, when you say, oh, exit, great. But exit <laughs> could mean 12 different things. And it's not always the same. And, and our industry is changing almost by the day in yeah. terms of valuations of companies and all of this. And whether going public is better than M&A, is better than raising money, is better than swallowing up others versus being acquired. These are the things we help clients figure out. Excellent. Well, hopefully that's helpful for everyone that's listening on a way they can maybe connect with you. And maybe they still have, you know, if you have questions too, uh, reach out and connect with David. Um, I actually connect with him on LinkedIn. seems like he's active there. Of course, the my regular emails on, on my LinkedIn profile. Okay. Um, yeah. And on Instagram, I'm David Feldman 1000. That's a good place to find me as well. And you can, of course, message me there. But if you want my email, it's dfeldman at skipintroadvisors.com. Uh, and, you know, always, always happy to help fellow lawyers. I, I'm very involved. There's something called the International Cannabis Bar Association. I'm on their advisory board. 
they're the largest cannabis focused uh, bar group in the country and now focusing on the global scene as well, which is very exciting. I used to not like bar association stuff because I'd go give a talk at the bar association and there's always somebody in the audience who tries to like give you the zinger question that <laughs> you for a loop, you know, but what about regulation 122205B? Yeah. And I have no idea what that is. And I'll kind of go like this and it makes me look foolish. And then I look it up and it has absolutely nothing to do with, it was a dumb question. It never should have come up, but you know, <laughs> now I don't care, you know, if they want to play that game with me. So I keep, that's playing. funny. And uh, for everyone listening to, uh, Dave is actually in New York City, so New York, in case you are close by, that's where he's located. And just to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, you know, we're a design and digital marketing agency. We help design websites and all kinds of stuff. But we ourselves are hiring right now a branding company outside because we can't get out of our own way. I mean, we need outside counsel, you know, for this effort that we're trying to do. And we decided that, hey, we, we're the worst ones to do this. So we need to bring in someone else to do this for us. And it's going to cost us, but, you know, we need someone else outside of our firm to, to do this for us. And so uh, I think that's a good point is, you know, sometimes you don't want to hear that. Hey, we can do this ourselves. You know, we, we have all the team and web developers and everything like that to, to help us with this effort. But it's, we know we need to go outside. So That's very you know. smart. Uh, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is learning, you know, knowing what you don't know. Yeah, I'm excited about it too because I'm, you know, I own, you know, my business and I uh, have a partner. So it's very, uh, you know, you want to have some pride in developing our taglines and our positioning statements and whether it's our logos and identity. I like to have ownership in that stuff. I always have, and I've owned uh, quite a few companies, uh, but this time I'm interested, not interested at all actually, and I want to have <laughs> someone else go. Here's what you need to do, and we go. Okay, let's. You know, let's take what they have to show us and, and, you know, we have our own input we can put in there, but uh, I'm excited about it. So, and that's why I enjoy it because as a lawyer, generally my job is to lay out sort of risks of something to a client and say, you know, here are the risks. Now you decide. Yeah. As a consultant, I will say to a client, here's what I think you should do. And here's why. Yeah. And that's fun. I really enjoy that. It makes a difference uh, in the company's future. Uh, we're not just sort of a necessary evil as as i often am as a corporate lawyer in the situation <laughs> and uh, it's very rewarding work for sure well i appreciate you again coming on don't want to take up too much of your time but thanks for sharing what you have going on it's very interesting and kind of like how you got to where you are and uh, still as a practicing attorney of course anything else you'd like to share with the audience uh, before we go any projects you got coming uh, you're working on uh, you've written a few books so, you know, please look up David and, and uh, check those out as well. I'm going to check out the, uh, which is the one was the seven mistakes or something like that. Yeah, you said. It's, it's called, it's called the entrepreneur's growth startup handbook. Okay. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's, you can get an audio book of it. There's uh, eBooks and so on. Uh, John Wiley's the publisher. And, you know, I, it, it's, it's focused on kind of, first it starts with who are the, who's an entrepreneur. What are the nine key personality traits that I think make you more likely to be successful? Then it's the obvious things like how to get the right partners, the right employees, the right investors, but also the psychological things like how do you avoid burnout? How do you avoid boredom, which can happen as a business builds? <laughs> uh, and what do you do when the next great idea comes, but you're still over here doing the thing you're still building? And, you know, and it's how do you really make work-life balance work? And I've 
change the name of it. I don't even call it that anymore. I call it work less work balance because there's no more, <laughs> there's no more, no work. Yeah. You know, this is with you all the time, wherever you go. And it's freeing in a way because it, it lets you be anywhere at any time, but it also means it's with you always. Well, I'm looking up your audiobook as you speak. I have a million, <laughs> a million credits. I got to try to burn them up a little bit here, but I'm, I'm always, I'm, I, hate, I'm just, I, hate the, <laughs> I hate the title of the book. The, when you, when a publisher hires you to write a book, there's only two <laughs> things they get to decide. One is the price and the other is the title. Really? And I own the copyright to all the content, but they, all they did was pick words that they thought have high SEO and jumbled them all together and said, this is the title of your book. So what's the actual title? The Entrepreneur's Growth Startup Handbook, which doesn't even make sense when you say it. <laughs> Growth Startup. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, if anything, it should be the other way around, maybe. Um, and then it's, you know, here it is. And yep, the subtitle I got it. is Seven Secrets to Venture Funding and Successful Growth. I don't know if you can see it on my camera, but uh, yeah. yeah, I have it here. Well, but it's I'm fun. I tell my story and, you know, hundreds of stories from, from my practice of law and, and a lot of things I've observed from the three, 400 entrepreneurs I've done work for. There you go. I got it. I think it's on sale. Yeah. It's it uh, four bucks. So I appreciate it. No, no problem. So check out the book. It sounds awesome. And uh, I always recommend on the show here, uh, we also have a newsletter called the Managing Partners Newsletter where we recommend books. So David will definitely get that on the list. Thank uh, or any others that you prefer, but you know, John Morgan's uh, Can't Teach Hungry. He's a personally, personal injury attorney, but it's about growing a multi-million dollar law firm, but any business would benefit from reading this. There's just a lot of good books out there. I try to read two a month at least. Branding is Sex, another good one. But there's just a lot of good stuff. But learning from someone like you that's been there, done that, built businesses, I always love to read those kinds of books, taking that content. You're just looking for that that golden nugget that can help you. And that's what this, this podcast is all about. Uh, something David might've said today that might, you might go, wow, that's smart. I should do that. And that's what we're looking for here. David, appreciate you sharing your insights today and, and some of your tips and letting us know what you're up to these days. Thanks for sharing the book. Please go check that out and download it. So anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? No, I, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity uh, in today's world for smaller firms to really succeed uh, in this advent of technology and so on. It's no longer about the person power. It's about the brain power. Uh, and you can get a lot done in a small firm. And that's a, it's an exciting time in the law industry where we're going to shed a lot of the crazy overhead that's been required to build law firms in the past. It's going to be an interesting time. 100%. And I back to the other thing we were talking about is I see a lot of firms that come on the show here too, startups. They started in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, they're all very niched and, and hyper-focused and I think that's amazing. And I think I'll see a lot of that happening, which is good. And they're getting a lot of referrals because, because they, they do something specific and they're really good at it. And I think that's a good way to go. But I see a lot of firms, they're agile. They're working from home. They're software and technology driven, low overhead and, and very focused. And I think that's going to you know make a lot of these small startup firms do very well. I think you want to also make sure to do something you really enjoy or don't do it because you're you're not <laughs> likely to be good at it if you don't enjoy it. And for me, it's always been about being on the cutting edge and that was reverse mergers, that's cannabis and so on. We kind of write the rules as we're going along. Some people aren't comfortable playing in that sandbox, but it's what I love because I get to use my brain every day. And if you get that, you're very lucky. Absolutely. If you don't love it, eventually it's going to burn you out, wear you out and you're not going to want to do it. So a hundred percent, find out what you like, what you're good at, but make sure you like to do it too. 
Exactly. <laughs> I think there's a book, uh, Traction. I recommend Traction all the time. But uh, in the book, uh, Gino Wickham, Wickman, it's, he calls it your, your unique ability. So it's what you're really good at, but you also enjoy doing. And those two have to be there. And that's your, your unique ability if, if you get that chance to do both. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, everyone, you can check out this uh, episode. It'll be up on our website, on our YouTube channel. It'll also be shared as a live episode uh, on my LinkedIn and, and Facebook uh, as well in the near future. Uh, it'll also be featured in our newsletter, which comes out every week. Uh, we'll, we'll get one of his books in there as well. But go to raylaw.com forward slash podcast. We interviewed probably 170, 180 managing partners just last year in 2021. And uh, we're got a lot of a lot of good interviews this year too. So uh, we're excited about all the good content we're going to have on the show, and uh, hopefully you can pick up some good good tips for your practice. If you need help growing your law firm, you can obviously take a look at us at RayLaw.com. Uh, that's all we do. We work with with clients to develop websites, SEO strategies, content, advertising, social media, and bring all that together to get you some good ROI and, and grow in your areas that you want. So. Check us out. Reach out to me. Ask any questions. David, connect with him on LinkedIn anywhere. Ask him questions. I'm sure he'd love to connect. So, David, we'll say goodbye. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You stay backstage with me for just a moment. Everyone sure. else, have a great day. Get out there. Do what you love. Now, that was an awesome episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. Hey, again, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Digital. And I'm on one last time to remind you about the free webinar that I'm hosting on July 26th at 2 p.m. We're going to be talking about organic SEO and how to get unlimited free clicks from Google to your website for people that are looking for your help. You can register by going to ArrayWebinar.com. That's A-R-R-A-Y Webinar.com. It's free. It only takes 30 minutes. And I guarantee you are going to find out something very interesting or more than one thing very interesting on this free webinar. Again, join me at ArrayWebinar.com.